You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everybody? RJ Ochoa here from SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. Hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and that you're still full of excitement from the 2022 NFL Draft and, of course, the 2022 Dallas Cowboys Draft Class. Today is Tuesday, May 3rd. Not quite May the 4th, but May the 4th be with you uh, and, and also with you uh, whenever uh, that time ultimately strikes for you. May the 4th is the birthday of one OCC, BTB legend, so a very happy birthday to him. Uh, May the 4th, though, one day later than where we are today, May the 3rd, right now, Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Central Time, which means it is time for a Blogging the Boys roundtable discussion. We are live on our YouTube channel, so those of you with us, welcome aboard. You can always catch the rewatch, or you can always listen to it on the Blogging the Boys podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me tonight, uh, the top right corner, this is just a Three Amigos sort of episode, uh, top right corner, all the way from basically all over the world. It is the one and only Brian Martin. You see him at bloggingtheboys.com, and and uh, somebody who I go way back with, one of my oldest teammates in the world of blogging. Uh, down there at the 6 o'clock position, you hear him on the Blog of the Boys podcast network. He is perhaps the most veterany veteran uh, throughout the Blog of the Boys alma mater. It is Tom Ryle. Tom, a very happy Tuesday afternoon to you, my friend. Happy Tuesday to you, too. Brian, um, if you had to describe the Dallas Cowboys draft class as a fast food restaurant, what would it be and why? Ooh, good one. Uh, ooh. Got to go with Whataburger. It's a great call, um, but I think that's unfair. To um, That's kind of mean to Whataburger. I don't think this class measures up to that. Uh, if it was up to me, uh, the, the answer we're looking for here, Tom, don't even bother you know, coming up with an answer. Uh, it is. Uh, you guys ever been to Bush's Chicken? Never heard of it. It's a fried chicken joint, um, but what makes it unique is the way that you order. Uh, it's not your classic drive-through where you go to the window and you pay at one window and get your food at the second. It's kind not quite Sonic, but you you show up at this like kind of side parking lot and the menu is painted onto the wall. Um, and so somebody comes out, takes your order, comes back, gets your method of payment, and then ultimately comes back with your food. So it's kind of like that. It's a kind of a show up and pick what you want, you know, kind of based on need sort of thing, which, uh, Tom, as you mentioned in our post-draft shows that you did with Danny Phantom and Rabble Rouser on Saturday and Sunday, uh, of course, um, or sorry, no, Friday and Saturday, of course, Thursday night as well. That's kind of the way the Dallas Cowboys operated when it came to this draft. Yeah, it, I was trying to think, what's a good place that's solid – but not spectacular because I, I this is Church's a draft. Could be mm-hmm. this 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 is this is a, a place where you can look at all of the picks, and the logic is fairly clear what they're trying to do. Uh, so, well, yeah. so that's fair. Uh, but the logic is also their own, right? Like, well, we need a left guard. Why do you need a left guard? You know, we yeah. need a defensive end. Why do you need a defensive end? We needed a wide receiver. Why do you need a wide receiver? You know, like these are, you know, self-made holes. They're, they're kind of, you know, sitting in the desert and, and dug a hole, and now they want credit for filling it back up. But it's like, you know, yeah, it's a whole they, pile of sand off to the right. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, they came up with the menu, definitely. Exactly. Uh, didn't, didn't listen to a whole lot of other input and didn't do a good job of, of opening up a lot of options. The, right. the menu is kind of limited. Uh, the whole thing here is how well did they hit on these? If, sure. if, they, if they did fairly solid with hitting these, I think it can be a good roster. But if they have two or three whiffs in this, it could really kind of drive things off the rail. You know, and of course, the higher you go, the, the earlier you, you whiff, then the, the worse the problem is. Mitchell Green says in our chat, hey, guys, I got to tell you, the more I see of this draft, the more I like. It is kind of a, you know, sit and let it marinate type of thing, kind of like banana pudding. You know what I mean? Like, you, it, it's not great when you first make it. It's got to chill. You got to be patient. You got to let all the materi- materials, ingredients crystallize and whatnot. Uh, Brian, as we take a look at the draft class, it's on our screen. Our podcast audience obviously can't see this, but our YouTube audience can. Uh, you're looking at all nine selections the Dallas Cowboys made. Of course, there are uh, 20 undrafted free agents the team has now officially announced. So we're talking about 29 additions to the team overall. But as far as the draft picks are concerned, uh, Brian, which of the non-Jalen Tolbert players is your favorite and why? I really like the selection of John Ridgeway. Uh, sure. They, yeah, it gets some attitude. Yeah, he the, not only attitude, he, um, they've liked that big-bodied uh, space-eating defensive tackle there in the middle for I don't know how many years now. And he just brings that kind of run-stopping ability to the defense and hopefully has a ripple effect throughout and helps uh, keep Micah Parsons and the other linebackers clean to do what they do. Uh, the man's on YouTube agrees with you, Brian, in that it is John Ridgeway. By the way, I, <coughs> excuse me, I spoke about uh, John Ridgeway with a different former Dallas Cowboys defensive tackle, Tony Casillas, on the latest episode of the 750. People can, of course, listen to that on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. Tom, as I, uh, as I transition slides, but I give you one opportunity to look, who is your favorite of the non-Jalen Tolbert's non-John Ridgeways? I've got a kind of a sleeper pick, and that's Matt. Well, let's go. I, I, I think fun name, they, huh? Fun name. Yeah, I, I think they may have actually looked ahead a couple of years mm. and have someone they want to try to develop, so that when Tyron Smith finally hangs it up, that maybe they'll have somebody in place instead of having to go out and and burn a first round pick to to replace him. There is some kind of future work being done um i know we talked about that during the live show when it came to damone clark if you kind of yeah. play the the time length i know you talked about this again in the in the post-draft uh episodes that we had on the podcast network Leighton vanderish is here on a one-year deal if damone clark needs one year to get right you know those timelines kind of line up perfectly um as far as your answer in the middle of your defense especially if micah parsons is more mobile is rushing the passer more i mean obviously if he's playing you know at the second level you don't really need much more help because he's micah parsons um something i wanted to get into today something we're about to get into we'll also have something written about this at blogandtheboys.com sometime on tuesday uh but it sort of came together on monday afternoon so we wanted to kind of take our time to chat about it with one another uh and add a little bit more thought uh you guys remember, obviously, on Thursday night after the Dallas Cowboys took Tyler Smith uh, out of Tulsa, which is an important note in just a moment. Um, you know, in their post-draft press conference, Jerry Jones, in an effort to prove that they had Smith rated above both Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson on their their own specific big board, uh, literally, Brian held up a sheet where, you know, Jerry Jones kind of flashed and said, look, this these are our rankings. We had them, you know, up above. Now, um, 
Jerry was a little bit further back at the table, at the press conference, et cetera. And while we live in a day and age with amazing technology, it's been a few days since then, and nobody's really been able to kind of decipher exactly what was on that sheet of paper. Lots of people have tried. Uh, it's been kind of a fun project of Twitter. Uh, you and I know, Brian, from our time blogging at other sites, but Tom, you know, as an OG member of Blogging the Boys, that Blogging the Boys has decoded Dallas Cowboys draft boards before based on different clues that have hit the internet. But Brian, Jerry said, I I don't need to give you a clue i'm gonna lead you the horse directly to water um and until now we didn't really have a great idea of what it said but do you believe before we get into it at least what it allegedly might be that tyler smith was above the likes of Kenyon green and zion johnson and if so is that fair and sound or is that maybe a misevaluation of sorts Ooh, uh i know that's a loaded question that's my job here yeah Got to make me think. Uh, yeah, it's hard to know. Everybody has different rankings for different players. I mean, they were obviously really excited about Tyler Smith. And so, I mean, you got to have to have faith in their draft board, I guess, and Will McClay. So, yeah, I guess he probably was their higher rated player. Um, Moinka says on YouTube, uh, yeah, Jerry needs to seriously take a back seat showing the draft sheet too much man now tom there is a little bit of like that's just jerry being jerry you know quality to the the moment the hijinks whatever but there is this like i wouldn't even say section i would say the entire fan base to some degree feels the way moinka is I, and, and i'll put the comment back up like jerry needs to take a back seat showing the draft seat to trap excuse me draft sheet too much man and again um you remember tom you were a part of blogging the boys during the other decodings brian and i were not uh, so i mean i'm sure you remember how hectic and fun the conversations were mm -hmm. to kind of piece together everything you know pick by pick by pick or ra rather ranking ranking or ranking by ranking by ranking but jerry's again just doing the work for everybody and showing off the sheet uh, so before we unveil it, what, what the internet believes this sheet looked like, at least, um, like, do you do you agree with this, or do you feel like it was no harm, no foul? The first round was over by that point. Uh, I mean, we're gonna put the list up on the board again. What the internet believes it was, and by that point in the draft, after the first round, all of the players on it had already been selected. So, is it really a harmless activity then? Well, Steven certainly didn't think so. <laughs> he was like, "Don't show that man! Don't show that!" And I, I, this is, this is, Jerry is the, you know, Jerry's the guy you want for your parent before Christmas, because you're going to know what all your presents are way in advance. <laughs> he can't keep quiet. So, and well, you may not actually like it that way, but that's kind of what he's like. He can't keep it to himself. And I understand that they would like to keep how they work their way through the process more under wraps, but he just wants to put it out there because, you know, he knew that that was going to be, everybody was going to be going like, no, hold it up longer, hold it up longer. You want to see? Um, Tom, again, last thing before we put the board up there. Um, there are things that I think we are sometimes a little bit, not too critical of the Cowboys for, uh, as my dog barks off, but for example, you know, they sort and you wrote about this that they telegraphed what they wanted in the draft by way of conversations before the draft. Every team kind of does that. But something like this, not like no other team is off showing a piece of paper with their rankings the night after the first round of the draft. So to that point, is this something where the Cowboys could stand to be a little bit less circusy and be a little bit more conventional NFL teamy? No, oh, I think the Cowboys could be a little less circusy in almost anything they do. If you just want to get down to it. Yeah. Um, 
that this they don't need to be flashing this everywhere, but they they always are. It seems like support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, let's go ahead and get it up. Now, I want to say before we start, uh, this all started uh, with a, a conversation between the great Cowboys stats and graphics, uh, whose full identity will always remain a mystery, at least to the grand public. It's kind of like Batman. Um, tweeted out, you know, has been on the hunt trying to figure this out, as have been a lot of people. And Mike Leslie from WFA in Dallas tweeted a very, very solid, almost cleared um, photo of a resolution of the sheet in question. Because again, people have been spending the last few days trying to crack this case, Brian. Um, Katie Drummond, BTB alum, uh, quote tweeted it, said, Paging my BTB crew, did this last decade, tagged Rabble Rouser, OCC, Joey Ikes, and of course, uh, you, Tom, but Katie actually got your handle incorrect. It was just Tom underscore Ryle there. Uh, <laughs> on Twitter at JRice underscore two underscore nice. On Twitter at Surviving D Cows. On Twitter at Don Panos underscore. Um, on Twitter, I'm just making sure we get all the contributors here that were a part of this thread. Went back and forth, back and forth, kind of contributing what they thought this word said or that word or whatever ranking it or measuring it by the length of the school, et cetera. And OCC, the great OCC here from blogging the boys, uh, tweeted out on on, excuse me, on Tuesday afternoon, what may be the sheet that Jerry Jones was flashing out. Now, again, this isn't concrete proof, but again, based on how long certain words are and based on the way the players were ranked relative to consensus boards, it does seem, Brian, that this is what was on the list that Jerry Jones flashed. You can see uh, an Excel screenshot on the left and the image of Jerry Jones's sheet on the right. And so again, if you kind of look at the length, for example, of the very top name, uh, that's Thibodeau comma Kayvon, uh, who went to the New York Giants out of Oregon, you can kind of see that that's what the number one name at the very top looks like there. So if this is correct, and we are operating on a bit of a presumption here in some detective work by the internet, which has never been wrong in the history of the world, to be very clear here, uh, the 14 first round grades that the Dallas Cowboys seemingly had in order, Brian, Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal, their top two picks went to a division rival. That has to sting. Aiden Hutchinson to the Detroit Lions. Garrett Wilson, of course, uh, the first receiver off the board. Sauce Gardner went to the New York Jets. Great. Derek Stingley in state to the Houston Texans near your neck of the woods, Brian. Um, Trayvon Walker, 
the number one overall pick was their seventh ranked player. And again, this is through the prism of the Dallas Cowboys, which is worth repeating always. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, the safety who fell to the Ravens at eight. Akeem Ikwanu, who went to the Panthers at nine. Drake London, their highest ranked receiver at number 10. We heard prior to the draft that the Cowboys would maybe trade up if he fell. And that kind of jives, given that he was their top ranked receiver. Uh, Jordan Davis, who also went to a division rival at 11. Charles Cross at 12. Lewis Seen at 13, which is the subject of a discussion that we're about to have. And Jamison Williams at number 14. Those are their 14 first round grades, if this is correct. Our podcast audience, because I know you can't see it, you can go on Twitter uh, and follow OCC at OCC44 and see the list him, uh, that he tweeted out himself. Brian, your thoughts seeing this, because their top two second round grades were Chris Olave and Tyler Smith. And by the way, OCC, uh, I was chatting with him about this. He made mention that he accidentally put Utah as, uh, as Tyler Smith's school. It is, of course, Tulsa. But Brian, go ahead. Oh, thoughts on the second round grades on anything. Well, your biggest takeaway well, here, just, you know, because assu- again, we're assuming this is accurate. So if it is, what, how does it impact your viewing of what the Cowboys did last Thursday night? Uh, honestly, it doesn't really impact anything for me that we pretty much know how the Cowboys think by now and their draft strategies. We know they're not going to take a safety early. So you can scratch off Kyle Hamilton and Louis, Louis sign a scene. And well, so along those lines, right? Because Tom, we've been told the Cowboys will draft the best player available. That's what you do. And, and there is some measurement of like, what is your need and marrying the two ideas together. Moinka says they passed on Jordan Davis. The Cowboys did not pass on Jordan Davis. He was already gone by the time they were on the clock. The only name here, Tom, that they passed on is in fact, the one that Brian just mentioned, Lewis seen the safety out of Georgia. If we are to believe that this is correct, the Cowboys had a first round grade on Lewis scene and a second round grade on Tyler Smith and with both options on the table decided to take Tyler Smith is that acceptable in your mind given the need that existed at left guard normally I would say no but this year the need at left guard was so big I can kind of forgive that and you know as Brian said they don't like to take safeties it's the same reason why I think Walker was number seven on their board because they don't value defensive tackles as much as the rest of the league. Um, but, it, you know, it does say right here that Smith was ahead of Johnson and Green. Well, they're not on the list, but to that point, like, they're seemingly ahead of him, right? That, that you Well, know, yeah, he right. has to be because they haven't shown right. up yet. So uh, that was, you know, le- legitimately he was their preferred choice among their options to come in and play left guard because I don't think there's any doubt they drafted Smith to become a left guard right now. Uh, maybe in the future, he may have a, he, he may become a, a tackle option, which, uh, you know, happened of course with Lyle Collins, but yeah, they, this is, this is pretty much a chalk thing for the Cowboys. This is right in line with, with what they do, how they think, uh, you know, and, and the, the places they will veer from their own philosophy, so to speak, because they painted themselves into that corner. So you mentioned this is sort of the path that Lyle Collins took, starting at left guard and then floating out to tackle. Granted, that was right. We somewhat expect Tyler Smith to take over for Tyron Smith um, on the left side of things. The difference, though, is the investment, right? 
Lyle Collins was this undrafted free agent that they stumbled upon based on the horrible nature that led to him falling all the way out of the draft. Whereas Tyler Smith, Brian, is a first round pick. That's literally the exact opposite level of resource that you can invest in a player versus being an undrafted free agent. But I agree with Tom, Brian, in that I don't think I'm, I'm not going to sit here and kill the Cowboys for passing on Lewis Seen. Although uh, Samuel says, watch Seen be an all pro, that would sting a lot. Uh, but I'm not going to kill them for that because they did have an incredible need at the left guard position. I think there is a, me- a marriage between best player available and consensus need relative to your team at the moment. Was the, t- was the need somewhat manufactured by them letting Connor Williams walk in free agency? Totally. I mean, that's, you know, that's the cross they have to bear. That's the bed they made over the course of the offseason. But, Brian, the mans brings up, this goes against everything Steven said. Hmm. After the Dallas Cowboys draft was completely over, Steven Jones, of course, in the team's post-draft press conference, said that they did not draft for need at all, that they went best player available throughout the entire thing, that it was chalk, to use Tom's word a moment ago. So, is Steven a liar? If he's so, if he is a liar, is it understandable for him to like, you know, kind of spit the company line? Like, yeah, you know, we took best player available. Like, what else is this a matter of like, what else do we expect him to say? Well, it's kind of like splitting hairs. Um, you can go best player available. Just, uh, it's just a matter of um, also positional value and um, roster needs. So in this case, um, Tyler Smith was the right choice, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I think so. But I guess, Tom, is this all, like, is the conversation that we're having here, Samuel Rose says, yes, Stephen lies. Is this a matter or a result of the Cowboys sometimes doing too much? Like we talked about at the beginning here, the circus nature of it all. The fact that we can sit here and the fact that we can... I can't say like indisputably prove because this list is somewhat conjecture, right? Like we're, this is, is is the internet doing some, you know, kind of detective work as mentioned, but it does stand to reason, right? Like we can kind of understand this to be potentially reality. So we would not be able to sit here and prove Stephen Jones to be a liar if A, Jerry Jones had not publicly shown off the list the way that he did at the end of the first round, and B, Stephen Jones did not go out of his way to say that the Cowboys went for best player, excuse me, they, they drafted the best player available over need at every single point in the draft. That was not necessary. Steven offered that on his own in an effort to, again, gloss up the overall group. Sometimes the best answer is not to say anything at all. Yeah, and Jerry Jones doesn't really lie about much. Stephen Jones will sit there and tell you to your face the sky is green, uh, you know, if that serves his purposes. And you can't tell me that a draft where their first three picks were left guard, edge, and wide receiver, that that wasn't need-driven, that they weren't filling their biggest holes. And you go on down, the others were like, okay, you almost can go, what's the biggest remaining need? But, you know, they kind of really – touched on most of the things and this this draft screams need driven all over it and and you'll never convince me otherwise brian not to pat myself or like the blog of the boys crew on the back but not just here at btb lots of other people you know said in some variation the cowboys draft their first four or five picks is going to be some combination of guard 
a pass rusher, defensive end, obviously, of a wide receiver, maybe even tackle and tight end, right? Those were literally the first five picks. It was literally guard, defensive end, wide receiver, tight end, and then the first pick, Matt Willetsko, who uh, Tom talked about. Was it Tom that said you were excited about that pick? Uh, That was their first fifth-round pick. Those were literally their first five picks. So to Tom's point, it's ridiculous for Steven to say that this was not a need-driven draft, and it only when you say things like that, Brian, it can only come back to bite you in the butt as the way it might be doing with Steven right now. Oh, yeah. That's why you see teams trading up in front of the Cowboys because mm. they know what positions they're targeting and what players they're targeting because they give out information freely in their press conferences. They know what players they like and th- what positions they're targeting prior to the draft. It's, you see it every year. Tom, um, is, I mean... But, it, but actually, unpacking that, because I think that's a great point, Brian, but the one team that traded up directly in front of them, actually, there's two examples I want to talk about here. The Buffalo Bills traded up in front of them in the first round, um, obviously, and took a corner. And we were all kind of like, whoa, do they do they think the Cowboys are taking a corner? Cowboys didn't take a corner until their second pick in the fifth round, Tom. Do you think that was just Buffalo going after their guy, that that didn't necessarily have anything to do with Dallas? I don't yeah, I can't see that that was really something Dallas right. kept because I didn't see them being that hot and bothered about getting a corner at that point. Right. Now, the other one, um, I think this is silly, but this was a talking point on Monday. We were actually slacking about this uh, at Block on the Boys. Uh, Ian Rappaport went on NFL Network on Monday afternoon and talked about Malik Willis, who the Tennessee Titans took with the 86th overall pick. The Titans actually traded up to that pick. The Dallas Cowboys, two picks later, would take Jalen Tolbert, the wide receiver out of South Alabama. Ian Rappaport speculated that maybe the Titans thought that the Cowboys were going to take Malik Willis there in the third round. I think we all think that that is silly. Um, I mean, do we think, Tom, that that more than anything, that's just throwing the Cowboys out to connect to Malik Willis's name to generate some sort of storyline because that's the Cowboys way? Uh I mean, I can't say that the Titans didn't convince themselves somehow that was, <laughs> was going to happen, but uh, I have no idea what where they would have got that because, uh, you know, the Cowboys didn't even sign a quarterback UDFA. They're mm. obviously happy with the uh, the four names they've got in the building right now. Uh, you know, we may not like that as much, but uh, you know, they seem to have faith in Cooper Rush as their their QB two and. Somehow Ben DiNucci just hangs around and hangs around. So, uh, you know, it's I, – I that to me might be – sometimes people outsmart themselves, and maybe that was what the Titans did. Um, on the subject of that, Jim Johnson, Brian, brings up Foles as a backup would be good. Um, we are now past the point where – players who are unrestricted free agents count against the compensatory formula not that that would apply to nick Foles because the bears released him uh, but the cowboys could sign him at a relatively cost-free point uh both financially and as it relates to the compensatory formula do you want to see the cowboys pursue a veteran qb2 brian i mean they have one technically in cooper rush but like i mean a real one not a pretend one like cooper rush well rush is on uh, in a contract here so i mean if they're looking for more of a stable QB2 for the future. Absolutely look at Nick Foles. Do you but, think I mean, that would invite any awkward situations, Tom? Or we're way past that with Dak and everything. Like it'd just be a, it'd be a clear and obvious QB2 situation. Oh yeah, the, it, he would be strictly coming in as a backup 
I, I don't think that would be a problem at all. And I think Ian Dak would handle it quite well. I um I wrote about this as we get set to close out here. I don't know that either of you remember this, and if you don't, my feelings will be hurt. Um, but either of you might recall, or somebody might recall, in the days of the 2016 training camp time, the Cowboys needed a backup quarterback because Tony Romo obviously had missed 12 games the season prior, and there was talk about Dallas signing Nick Foles. Um, now, obviously, that training camp, Kellen Moore would break his ankle, and then Tony Romo would get hurt in the preseason in Seattle, which opened the door for Dak Prescott. And Nick Foles actually wound up signing with the Kansas City Chiefs that season. That was his lone year uh, re- reuniting with Andy Reid before he went back to Philadelphia. But I wrote about this several years ago, Tom. If Nick Foles signs with the Cowboys in 2016, and Kellen Moore breaks his ankle, and Tony Romo gets hurt. It's Nick Foles who they allow to start for them and obviously lead the beginning of that season. I'm not saying that they win the Super Bowl the way he did with Philadelphia, but he probably flames out, and then his NFL career is over, and he maybe never even winds up in Philadelphia again in 2017 and leads them to the Super Bowl that postseason. So, like, if the Cowboys sign Nick Foles in 2016, Tom, do the Eagles maybe not have a Super Bowl? That's my question to you. <laughs> uh, that's kind of plausible. I know. Um, <laughs> I know it is. It makes it does make sense because then who would they have had? I have no idea who they'd be. Who would have been backing up Wentz uh, at that point? But it's given how improbable Foles' run was it seems uh, infinitesimally small that there's any chance someone else could have come in and done the same thing. Right. Uh, Well, Dak Prescott would have never had the opportunity that he did. And Tony Romo might have played another two seasons or something for the Cowboys. So lots of what ifs uh, to explore right there. Uh, Brian, um, the draft is over. What's the thing you're most looking forward to now over the course of the rest of the offseason? Is it the schedule release, which is next uh, Thursday, by the way? And on the subject of that, it seems like the Broncos are going to be playing the Jaguars in London. Um, and Jacksonville was Dallas's only chance to play an international game this year. So it seems like Dallas will be staying um, you know, here domestically uh, for all of their season. But uh, but yeah, Brian, is it the schedule release? Is it OTAs, minicamps? Are you, you know waiting all the way for training camp? I'm looking forward to OTAs and training camp or uh, many. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they try to insert Tyler Smith in the lineup. I mean, Mm. they're going to immediately plug him in and left guard and let him go, or they're going to sign another veteran to compete. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. I do think that Cowboys Twitter would melt down if Dallas signed an interior offensive lineman and sold it as like a would-be starter because people would say like, well, then why did you draft Tyler Smith? It would be a really um, unfortunate time. Uh, Tom, Jim Johnson brings up any starter type coming back from injury for us. Jim's asked this question several times. I think the only real legitimate answer is probably Jabril Cox. Um, So if you have to pick one player who you're most excited to see, Tom, when all this action finally gets started, who is it? I know this is going to sound weird. I want to see if we if if the injury was really what took Ezekiel Elliott down last that's, year. Yeah, that's a boring answer. Be, yeah, I know, but that's that's one that's got me intrigued because of the article I just wrote about that the Cowboys drafted Smith as part of a move to try and get the running game back in place because it it really collapsed after Ezekiel Elliott fell on that pylon against the Giants. And uh, if he's fully healthy and they've got 
better blocking there. And don't forget, it's shaping up to be a real camp battle at center, too, because they've, they've basically put Tyler Biotish on notice. Uh, I that, don't know that, that I think last year's seventh round pick is like what's really lurking in the shadows, you know, for well, Tyler Biotish. But they I mean. seem to like something about him. Uh, maybe that's just to push Biotish. I think but, that that's their, like, we don't need, like, and think about it. On some level, they didn't draft Tyler Linderbaum because of Matt Farniak. On some level, even if it's a microscopic one, on some level, that's truth, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. So, But, you know, they might have felt that it, it's one of those cases of can we do better somewhere else? And, you know, I, at that point, maybe, you know, I don't know. But, you know, Lind Linderbaum is a talent. And uh, they decided they were going to roll with what they've got. And then they went out and signed a couple of UDFA, maybe maybe two that could be uh, at least taking reps at center. So, you know, they apparently think they've got a path forward. Um, unfortunately, sometimes their paths forward are a little bit illogical and twisty. So we'll have to see how it goes. Uh, you know, I, I just want to see, you know, I, I look forward to OTAs and minicamp. It's kind of that last little taste of football before the, the real drought because we get to go around about, you know, free agency and how it doesn't happen in Dallas for a couple of months. And, you know, then we, and we prep for the draft and everything. And then we get that last little fill up with tidbits, which unfortunately they don't allow the coverage of those the way they used to. So I don't know how much information is going to come out, but hopefully the reporters in Dallas will be able to get us some information about what's going on with that stuff. Um, I think that was really well said, but you're right. That is kind of like the nightcap before the slumber, before morning. Um, so we'll see um, We'll see how it all shakes out. But the draft is in the books. We have a lot of content available revolving around it at blogoftheboys.com. Brian Martin and Tom Rao both work very hard. They never sleep. They literally, these guys, they don't believe in sleep. Uh, so, uh, Tom, um, let's go ahead and get out of here. Um, this is Brian's first roundtable, right, Brian? You are on our, our draft show, but um, not the round. Or no, you've been on a roundtable before, right, Brian? Yeah, I think I was on the roundtable last okay. week. Okay. Well, then, uh, Tom, let's make his second one spectacular. Make an incredibly random noise, and we'll get out of here. <laughs> Later, everybody. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk get one thousand dollars off vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox that's vanta.com slash vox for one thousand dollars off vanta more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals 
you can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.